You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, my guest is Leila Rezaidia. She's an executive coach and accredited coaching supervisor. And we're going to speak on the topics of leadership, female leadership, and self-care in business. Hi, Leila. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Hi, Elena. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for joining. So, Leila, your topics are so interesting, and very often we we are discussing leadership and self-care on our podcast. So, before we dive into those topics, can you shortly tell us your story? How did you get to where you are right now, and how did you become an executive coach? Uh, right, okay. Well, if it is about how did I... I've got different layers to my stories, depending on which angle I'm going to look into. <laughs> um, how did I become an executive coach? Actually, I was in executive leadership roles when I was in the corporate environment. Um, so my background was learning and development and talent management. So I've always been in the field of developing leaders, self-leadership, developing talent, successes, and uh, in organizations across. Um, I started in Algeria. I'm Algerian originally, and then um, in the UK, and then I moved into the UAE 14 years ago. So that's what I've been doing in different in oil and gas, financial services and government. So when I was in-house, I was a big advocate of executive coaching, team coaching, mentoring, all leadership development programs. And I was coaching on and off. But of course, I had a full time job, so I wasn't really um, able to coach as passionately as I wanted. So actually, in September, my business that I set up, Compass, which is a coaching um, business, is turning 10. So it's a big milestone. And that's when I left. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. That's actually when I left the corporate world to set up my coaching business as an entrepreneur to actually focus on getting my own certification and credentials. So I had started this when I was towards the end. So I started my trainings to be accredited and certified about 12 years ago. That's when I wanted to take my coaching to a professional level and not just part of my leadership role. And uh, that's when I embarked on all the coaching trainings that I've been, and I still continue to. I'm an, a big advocate of ongoing learning. So that's in terms of how I ended up being an executive coach. And I'm also a team coach. So I work with leadership teams um, across across the all regions. Um, and I'm also a coach educator. So I love educating. I'm so passionate about coaching and the power of coaching that I am passionate about developing other leaders to become coaches, to inspire other leaders. So for me, it's all about that big ripple effect and the impact that we have on human beings because we're dealing with people's lives. It's not just a job that we're dealing with. And when I coach, when I'm um, educating all the um, executive coaches that I train, I always invite them to look at the human being aspect of that leader and not just an executive leader because at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings. So that's how my life took me into the executive coaching field. Now, if we're talking about the self-care, I learned it the hard way when I was in the corporate environment, like many people, many of my friends, many of my clients, um, is I was just so focused on my career and achievements and KPIs and you name it, that I neglected my self-care. 
completely. There was hardly any self-care. And when I constantly reflect on my journey, my self-care was I'm exhausted. My batteries are flat. I'll take a weekend. I'll go by the beach or I'll go to a spa. That was my definition of self-care in the old days, which obviously served me somehow, but it was very external. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's just go and have a massage and let's lay down by the beach, grab a book, which I no longer do. I do it from a completely different perspective. And what I realized is I had to walk um, the talk and live the ups and downs myself before I could start sharing this with other people to inspire other female leaders mainly and leaders, leaders in general. But um, my passion really focuses on female leaders. So for me, it's, you know, I've had sagas of lower back pain, hospital, you know, car accidents, uh, you name it. I've had it all when I was in the corporate environment. And what I realized is I was not connected with my body. So my soul, soul, body alignment was not there. So for me, it was all external, physical. And my body just kept sending me those messages. And I was not really listening till one day. I was just flat out and I could not go to bed to work. And that had been happening every three months. Like you would think that my body had a, an alarm and every three months it would ring. But I wasn't, okay, I'll go to the doctor. I'll be signed off to the point where I realized, okay, when I went to see the doctor, he goes, Leila, what, I had a burnout. And he said, what are you doing? And I was already thinking of, okay, I think it's time for me to leave to set up my own business. And then he goes, okay, what are you doing? with this um, burnout and this stress level. He didn't need to ask me that question again, Elena. I literally looked at him in the eye and I go, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I resigned that Saturday. It was a Thursday. That Friday, I resigned. And I go, that's it. I'm done. I don't need another message. I think I Mm -hmm. got the lesson. (laughs) That's when then my journey with self-care started. And we'll, we'll talk about it as we go along. Wow, yes, it is such a powerful story and uh, you're really walking the talk. So as you're working with leaders as a coach, do you see that many people are also neglecting self-care and uh, do do you see what problems it causes in in, uh, their careers? Oh my goodness, I see this day in, day out and male and female, actually. It's not just female leaders. And I think what really heightened this is COVID, Uh, you know, working from home, working around the clock, uh, no holidays. I've seen the conversations changing in my coaching sessions with my clients. So um, be it burnout, be it no time to take time off, uh, be it my kids now are going to university and I've never had time to stay with them. Female leaders having to juggle working from home and now asked to be back to the office mental health, um, menopause conversations, you know, not having time to look after myself because I've got to look after the job and my teams and then my my kids and then my husband and then where am I in all this? Whereas before, I wasn't really having these deep conversations, which is about the human being and where they are in their life. And so we started having more purposeful, meaning, more meaningful conversations about where am I in all this? You know, yes, I've got a great career and yes, I'm achieving my KPIs and I'm getting my promotions and I've got an amazing salary, but I'm not really happy and I feel I'm stuck. So that's what started 
it started surfacing into we can no longer look at the person as a leader separately without inviting their humanness into the room. So yes. the conversations then changed. Yeah, definitely. We need more of this holistic approach now in business. We need to stop focusing only on business results and KPIs, oh. and we need to look at the at the human being. Uh, I wanted to ask you from the perspective of a person, but also from perspective of the organization. So let's start with a personal perspective for our listeners, for people who are listening to us. What can we do to somehow change this? You know, many people would say, oh, I'm so busy for self-care. I'm so busy. I don't have time. What would you recommend to such a person who is very busy at work, doesn't have time for self-care? What would you recommend them to do, to start doing or stop doing? Such an amazing question. Um, that's a myth, by the way. You know, I don't have time because you do have time to breathe. You don't have time to brush your teeth. You do have time to go to work and spend 10, 12 hours, 14 hours. I'm coaching, um, you know, one of my clients told me she's working 21 hours a day. Wow, like, is, is that even possible? <laughs> yes, well, actually it is. And how sad is this when someone is working because of the organizational commitments and expectations to work 21 i mean that's that's not human i mean as human beings and that's why you hear me always bring in the human element we're not designed to be working all these long hours and sitting um, in front of a screen or sitting at a desk for all these hours there's a reason why you know it's eight hours or nine hours or 10 even 10 is a big stretch so those listeners who feel like I don't have time, well, if they have kids or they have spouses, they do have time for these people. So how can you have time for others when you don't have time for yourself? That's, to me, it's pausing to reflect on a simple question. You know, where am I in all this? And how can I continue leading my life this way? Because what I realized in my own journey is we don't give ourselves the gift of pausing and reflecting because we want to continue being busy. There is a, a global conception and perception about being busy is great. And it's been institutionalized, uh, you know, corporate organizations. If you're not busy, then you're lazy, you're not delivering, right? Yeah. Whereas if I'm saying to be busy, well, then that's great. But look at all the... I invite the listeners, just reflect on the last six months, 12 months. How healthy have you been? Mental health, physical health, emotional health. Just ask yourself the question, how healthy have I been? And the invitation is to reflect and ask this question with no judgment. Because the other mistake that many people do, and I used to do that as well, is we start judging ourselves. Yeah, Our self-judgment kicks in and then, oh, yeah, no, no, I can't do this because I should be spending this time with my husband or with my wife or with my kids. I cannot afford this. It's, you know, otherwise it's been, it's being selfish. Well, actually self-care means you have to be selfish because you can't give others what you don't have. If your batteries are flat, how can you, if your engine, you're driving down the highway and your car stops because you forgot to put fuel well, then it's just going to stop in the middle of the road and then you're going to have to call for assistance, right? So if you were to look at your 
body as the car, would you forget to put the fuel in it? The answer is no. Otherwise, you're going to have to call assistance, road assistance. So it's really starting to have conversations with yourself and also start talking to other people. Because what I realized has been really, really instrumental in my journey of self-care and continues to be is to have in a support system that I have chosen. Yeah, it's not people that naturally in family and friends around me. I had to be really conscious of who am I letting into my inner circle? You know, who inspires me? Who am I inspiring? Who's doing stuff that is really awesome that I want to learn from? Um, reading, I'm an avid reader and, um, you know, listening to podcasts. So I do educate myself a lot about this, but also one of the things that I would love when I run workshops and I speak at conferences about self-care is it's a personal journey. So listeners listening to this podcast may be inspired by what I'm saying or not. If they walk away with one thing that inspires them to bring it into their self-care plan, that's amazing. Go and find other sources. For me, I look at self-care as a holistic approach now and not just a massage and laying down by the beach, which I still love, but it became a much more holistic approach. Um, self-care for me, like just out before our call, I've, I've started my day at 5.30 today. So started by meditation and then started by journaling and then getting ready for the day. And then in between my meetings, I've got time off. So I block my time in my calendar because I no longer do back-to-back -back sessions. That was the case. So I was my batteries were running flat very quickly. So I soon realized, oh, hang on a minute. I can't be jumping from one meeting to another. A, I'm not catching my breath. I may need to go and grab a cup of coffee. I walk outside in the garden. I just walk around in my garden, you know, just look at my trees, breathe some air, hot or cold. <laughs> that actually helps me recenter and rebalance myself and connect with nature. Nature is a big healer for me in my self-care journey. Um, rituals, like now just before our session, I just lit an incense. I put my Epsom salt um, lamp on. I just walked in the garden for 10 minutes and then I came back so that I can, I had my dinner. So I had a very early dinner before our catch up because where I am, it's 7.30. So by the time we finish, it will be too late for me to have dinner. So it's these different things. And for me, rituals are a big part of my self-care. So lighting a candle, an incense, uh, uh, you know, picking a tarot card in the morning, looking at nature outside and observing there might be a message there when I'm pausing and noticing. Life is a teacher for me in terms of self-care. So imagine you're yeah. widening your horizons into starting to connect with life because it's speaking to us every day. And life has always been speaking to me when I was in corporate environment, but I wasn't listening. So I learned to pause and reflect and listen to life. And the more I'm listening, the more messages I'm receiving. Yes, yes. Thank you for all of those tips and suggestions for what you are doing. I think that we all can find a couple of minutes during the day to sit, to reflect, and we can start small with a short meditation or anything that brings us joy. It might be reading a book or anything else. You know, there is also this problem that many people are overwhelmed with the 
those uh, tips and, and advice and, and self-development that what you can do. So wake up at 5 a.m. and meditate and journal and do yoga, do this and gym. And then we don't have time. And during the day, you have to do this and that. And then we are overwhelmed and we think that we have to do it all. For someone, it is a gym session. For example, today I went to the gym and I was very happy and energized afterwards. And for some people, it would be a meditation session, for example. So what what, what would, do you usually recommend to your clients? How to start, where to start? I mean, I love what you're saying, your example of the gym, because I don't go to the gym. See, the gym doesn't work for me. It's not part of my self-care because I don't like the gym. So all the rituals that I have is the stuff that I enjoy doing. And to me, that's my definition of self-care. Yeah. I would always have rituals that I enjoy. Otherwise, you know, it may work for you and I feel happy for you, but it doesn't resonate with me. So I'm not going to force myself to do something that is not going to bring me joy. Because whatever ritual that I embark on brings me joy and happiness. So to me, that's how self-care needs to be very unique to you. Yeah. And for our listeners, it's also you may be inspired by an like, do I wake up every day at 5:30 and meditate? The answer is no, I don't. I've been um I've been working with a teacher and a tribe for the last 11 days for meditation every day. But I missed two days of it because I had to pick up my family at 3 a.m. in the morning. So there was no way I was going to come back at four after a long day and then start the meditation. So I give myself permission that, okay, today I cannot do this. And tomorrow I also cannot do this. But today I woke up very fresh, looking forward for the last day of this 11 days meditation. So do I journal every day in the morning? The answer is no. Sometimes I journal by the end of my day. And I have days or weeks when I don't journal. But I give myself permission that it's okay. You know what? It's always there for me. When I'm going to be in flow, that's the other thing that I talk a lot about is if you're not allowing ease and flow into your life, everything is have to be. Yeah, I have to do this. I should do this. You know, they're doing this. Well, if they're doing this and it's working for them, perfect. It may not work for you. Yeah. So it's really finding what works for you and start small. You know, you may want to start and just go for a walk around the block. And you're going to do, you may have a walking meditation, like five minutes, 10 minutes. You're just walking and observing, being present. Another mistake that I see lots of people, you know, when they jog in, when they're walking, is they're walking and they're on the phone. Or they walk in and they're on their WhatsApp. Or that, to me, goes against, and no judgment, but here we're educating the listeners to try something that's going to add value to you. So if you're walking with speakers on and then you're speaking to someone, you're not with yourself. So coming back home to yourself is a great self-care practice. So if you're walking or jogging and talking to someone or you're just walking and looking at social media, well, then you're with social media. You're not with yourself. So and learning some habits that you feel like, but you will only do this when you pause and start reflecting on how am I living my life? How am I showing up in my life? And has the way that I've been leading my life working for me? And if it's working for me, perfect, by all means, continue. I realize it may have worked for me up till now, but moving forward, I've got big dreams for myself and I want to change this and I want to do this. Well, then certain habits need to change. 
which means you need to pause and reflect and be conscious and intentional. But that habit actually no longer works for me. So I need to break it. And then I need to start embracing something new. But let me start small. And let me actually have an accountability buddy or an accountability friend that actually will also encourage me. Because especially at the beginning, it's very difficult to change. I mean, we're human beings. We love our routines. So to break a routine and a pattern, it takes a lot of commitment and courage and self-accountability. Yeah, definitely. We need to start introducing those small routines and to start small. But I love what you're saying that it is important to be with yourself. So even when you're uh, having spending this time with yourself, walking, meditating, don't waste your time on social media, but just be with yourself and the yeah, this I I really love it. It is hard, <laughs> but uh, but it is definitely it is great and it because is doable. and it is doable because also I mean look at it. I mean where <laughs> I was talking to. I can't remember whether it was a colleague or whether it was a client. I can't remember. The last two days, she said, I read somewhere on social media that we have 20 Mondays till Christmas. And she goes, it really threw me off. Like, what? 20 Mondays till Christmas? And we looked at and we go, yeah, actually, look at it. Christmas is around the corner. The end of this year is around the corner. So how do I want to continue living these next months? And what do I need to achieve? What do I need to change so that I can start? Why do I have to wait? I no longer believe in New Year's resolutions at all because they don't work. Um, but I do believe in setting goals and dreams. You know, I'm, I'm a dream catcher. I dream big. And mm -hmm. I help my clients to dream big for the life that they want to create with life. So it's just starting to notice. But if we're not, that's why I have a self-care a group supervision because that's why I love the space of supervision for leaders and for coaches so I've got two two different groups because you know leaders who are not coaches they may not relate to the self-care that coaches um, face so I run um, executive reflection for self-care for leaders and what happens is you're giving yourself a gift of pausing in your busy day and week to work with the supervisor and other peers to realize that you're actually not alone. You know, that overwhelm, that mental uh, mental well-being and burnout and busyness and expectation, you're not the only one because other people across the globe, and my groups are very diverse, so people are from different parts of the world, and yet they share the same challenges and the same, um, the same desires, the same dreams. So when we work in a supervision space, it's really a gift to pause and reflect because you don't need to do anything. And one of the things that I always bring, in addition to the human being, to the humanness, sorry, we're human beings, we're not human doings. So the be, as a human, we have the being part and the doing part. But societies and definition of success made us become robots in doing, we're expert in doing. Yes. So what I help my clients to reflect and start changing is where is your human being part which you're born with and you're going to die with? You're not going to die. Well, you know, I always joke and I say, when you're going to die, we're all, you know, we're all going to, we're, a baby is born and then somebody is, that's the, 
that's the law of the universe. Um, for me, when I'm going to die, I always joke and say, they're not going to put on my grave, she was working super hard. They would never say that. They're not going to put this on my graveyard. But what they're going to say is, how did I touch people's lives? I hope that's, that's what they're going to say. But they're not going to talk about what I've achieved and all the milestones that I've, they're not going to say that. So that to me, when I think about that, I want to live it now. I don't want to wait till I die and I go, oh my God, I just wasted my life chasing success. Don't get me wrong. I work super hard for success, for my definition of success. Yeah. Learned to balance it. Like, I'll give you an example. My family is here and I see them once or twice a year because they don't live with me. They live in different countries. So I've been working this week, but tomorrow and the weekend I'm off and this laptop is going to be off and my phone is going to be off because I've been working till very late these last few days since they arrived. But I told them Friday and the weekend I'm off. And for the next month that they're here, I've blocked a long weekend to be with them. Like either two days and then the weekend or a day and the weekend because I want to enjoy my time with my family. I don't want to just be just working and working and then that's it. They're going to go and I go, oh my God, yeah, shame. You know, sorry, mm -hmm. I was working. No, life is too short. Yes, definitely. And it is so inspiring to think about this in, in such terms. So Leila, the last thing I wanted to ask you and to discuss with you is the aspect of female leadership. I know that you said that you prefer working with female leaders and you're passionate about this. So what, um, what do you think is the most important in uh, female leadership, um, especially in the Middle East, what, what factors are affecting female leadership and uh, how, how we can deal with those factors? It's so interesting you mentioned in the Middle East because the female leaders in the Middle East are very empowered. On the contrary, many people think that female leaders in the Middle East are oppressed or they don't have a voice. It's the opposite. Um, I've never seen as many successful entrepreneur, female entrepreneurs, like I see them in the Middle East. Yeah, absolutely. I had the same actually impression when I visited Dubai that so many powerful women out there. Absolutely. And many of them, I've got many of my friends who are in the Forbes 100, um, most successful, most powerful, most impactful. And, and that's super inspiring. So when I work with female leaders, and also, I think it's also being true to who you are. Like, I'm an Arab female leader. Like, my, my origins are Arabs. And for me, there is the culture and the identity that comes with this. So when I train coaches, we train them on reflecting upon two deep questions who are you and how do you coach so that they create their unique coaching model because who you are is how you coach and who you are is how you lead so for me when I my passion is really developing and I love working with the male leaders but my passion is with female leaders because I really want them to own their voices I want them to learn how to take control of their own lives uh, to take control of their own destiny, their own uh, dreams, their own passions, and not just being driven by somebody else, be it the husband or the organization. And then you wake up one day and you go, what did I do with my life? So again, going back to that idea of, okay, what have I achieved in my life? And to me, working with, ha also having these conversations as female, you know, I'm menopausal. So 
and when I'm coaching with female leaders who are my age or older than me, we have a lot of conversations about the hormonal and then the brain fogs and this. I don't have these conversations with the male leaders that I work with. So there is resonance also. When I'm working with the female leaders, there is that safe space that they can just be. And and also I work, I'm a multilingual coach, so I work in English, Arabic, and French. So when I coach my clients in Arabic, the consistent feedback that I have is like, oh my God, I'm so happy I chose you because you understand me. Not just because I understand the human being, because any coach can understand this when they're well-trained and have experience in life. It's because of the nuances of the culture, nuances of the beliefs, nuances of the religion and the restrictions and you name it. So that's how people relate. And then you open a Pandora box for certain conversations they have never had with anybody. That's the safe space for me to be yourself. And that's what I love when I'm working with female leaders. Yes, definitely. And I think that those aspects that you mentioned very often we don't speak about it in business. We don't speak about having children and taking care of children because this is uh, the private thing that stays at home. We don't speak about menopause, although it impacts women's life a lot because this is uh, the private thing. And I think that uh, what you say is very important because we need to start this dialogue. And when we are speaking about women empowerment and having more leaders in the organization, we need to somehow introduce those dialogues uh, into the organization. So do you see this happening and uh, do, do you see any solutions for this? Very slow paced, to be honest, not as fast as me and many other advocates for female leadership would want it to be, simply because there are still, I'm sorry to say, but um, male leaders on top. And, um, you know, in the top C-suites, it's almost always the men taking decisions and um, so of course you can't change a culture where you're denying half of society who is not present in that boardroom and if there is I work a lot with leadership teams I'm lucky if I find a woman one woman amongst 12 usually these leadership teams are 10 between 10 to 12 and I walk in into many boardrooms where there is no women and you know what I don't shy away because I go oh so there's no women here so I'm the only woman here and the conversation shifts. So it's how how are you supposed to be talking about menopause and creating an environment for menopause, you know, for a woman? These are natural human behaviors and hormonal changes. So a woman cannot do anything. I mean, I'm in coaching conversations and I have a brain fog moment and I just pause and I go to my client, mm, Sorry, I'm having a brain fog moment here. It may come back. It may not come back. So I laugh about it because this is what I'm going through. I cannot just go, oh, sorry, give me a minute. I'm going to come back. And then, no, I just normalize it because this is part. It's like when I'm normalizing having a cup of coffee with my client online. It's exactly the same. Why, why does it continue being a taboo? So that's why I started when I called my social media team last year and I said, listen, I want to start talking about menopause. They go, what? You want to talk about what? I said menopause in the corporate environment. I said, because that's where I operate. I am menopausal. That's a normal life cycle. And I'm working with many women who are menopausal or about to enter uh, perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause. But no one is talking about these things. So I want to start talking about, and I'm not talking about others. I'm talking about my own journey. 
So that's the other thing. I see lots of people preaching and then, you know, sharing books and share. No, if you're not talking about your own journey, people are not going to resonate with you. That's again, you go back to having that authentic voice and holding that safe space for people. So we're far, far, far away from having these conversations in organizations. I'm a big dreamer. So I do, will continue talking about this till it happens. Yes, we definitely need to to move towards this direction. So Leila, if you, if you based on our discussions, if you had to give a couple of uh, recommendations and tips to our listeners, what should they start doing or stop doing based on what we discussed, what would it be? I think my first thing that I'm going to say is you matter. Whoever is listening, you matter. So be selfish. Give yourself that permission to be selfish and reprioritize self-care and get your own definition of what self-care means for you so that you can craft your own self-care plan that works for you. That's my number one. Number two is surround yourself with inspiring leaders, be it friends, be it family. No, I don't have space for negativity. I can assure you that there is no negative person around me because I simply don't have space for this. And I had to just let go of all the negative people around me because I don't have time for this. Um, so these are energy vampire. They suck your energy. So if you are surrounded by energy, um, energy vampires who are sucking your energy, just let them go. Do not hang on to these people because they're going to continue dragging you down. The other thing is ask questions. You know, if you see somebody already on that path, just get a call with them and then just try to understand, try to work with professionals. You know, there are therapists, there are coaches, there are consultants, there are mentors, there are workshops, there are trainings, there are ceremonies. Invest in yourself is the other thing that I'm going to say. Yeah, I hope perfect. you find one of them inspiring and they could mm -hmm. apply their lives. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Leila, for, for all of those inspiring tips. I'm sure that our listeners enjoyed listening to you. I definitely did. If our listeners want to reach out to contact you, where can they find you? Definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, so um, my name, Leila Rzegia on LinkedIn, you just, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. So um, that's, that's the first place that they will find me there. That's the only social media platform that I use. Perfect. So definitely we'll put the link to your LinkedIn under the episode so that our listeners can immediately reach out and contact you. Thank you so much for being on Ideas and Leaders. It was a pleasure talking to you, Leila. Thank you, Elena. It was so enjoyable just having this beautiful conversation with you. You're a great host. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.